On today's episode of Sports Medicine Weekly, we talk with a biomechanics and motion analysis expert to discuss how athletes move and also talk about uh, the use of 3D motion capture and force plates. Also, is velocity in Major League Baseball overrated? Are pitchers throwing too many fastballs? Is velocity still going up? Does throwing harder increase the chance of a breakdown? We've got a great guest with us, but first, JRF Ortho, one of our partners, they partner with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation. Please go to jrfortho.org to learn more. Sign up to be a tissue donor at donatelife.net. This episode is also brought to you in part by Karen Malkin's new protein brownie bar and superfood bars. Best tasting bars in the market. Certified gluten-free, paleo, and no added sugar. Karen's protein brownie bars and superfood bars available on Amazon and at KarenMalkin.com. Dr. Brian Cole is my co-host. I'm Steve Cashel. Dr. Cole, how are you? Doing great. Great to have you on this episode, Steve. Appreciate it. We've got a great guest on the line, and uh, the more I talk with this uh, young woman, the more I'm, I'm interested in hearing more because of her in-depth work with uh, Major League Baseball players and uh, you know local pitchers and um, both on the boys and girls side. It's really interesting. Brittany Dowling is with us, Director of Biomechanics and Motion Analysis, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Brittany, thanks for joining us here on our Sports Medicine Weekly Podcast, and uh, tell us, give us a quick uh, view of uh, overview of what you do and how long you've been doing it. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I have been working in motion capture for the last eight or nine years. I've been doing this for a private company, and then now I've been with Midwest Orthopedics for almost two years now. And we've been using 3D motion capture, so the same technology that they use to make video games or animation, where they wear the black suits and put the reflective markers on, we do that here at MOR. And our cameras take 360 pictures a second. So we have players come in, we put the markers on them, have them throw either from the flat ground or the mound, and we are able to go through each frame and compare where they are to healthy pitchers or to healthy throwers and give them suggestions on, hey, this is something that we would like to have you maybe work on. You're doing this great. This will help you increase your performance. Or, hey, this is actually going to lead to maybe a breakdown in your um, your mechanics and now you're going to have an injury risk. So we kind of do a full-blown assessment here to help the athlete either come back from an injury or avoid an injury to begin with. Steve, we've been using this motion analysis lab for a couple of years now. and Brittany's been a tremendous addition for us because it's one thing is to have the equipment and the space build out like we've done for Midwest Orthopedics at our, at our various uh, physical therapy centers, but the other is actually making it operational. It's, it's, it's challenging. There's not a lot of people with Brittany's experience in the entire country. Um, Brittany, you would maybe a little bit about what you used to do, which I thought was fascinating when we, uh, when we first met you and brought you into the program to help run it. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your experience before you came here. So I worked for a company called Modus Global, and we did the same thing. We had motion capture cameras. We flew all over the United States to all different of the MLB teams, NFL, NBA, and would do the same thing, test them. And then we decided that Yes, we can do this with motion capture, but it'll be a lot easier to reach everybody. There's way more Little League players than Major League players if we can develop a sensor that a player will wear. And every time they throw, it tracks the number of throws, but then it also tracks the 
stress on their elbow, the max, it'll do the arm slot, max external rotation, and then arm speed. So that now a player can learn how to really monitor their own arm and keep them healthy starting at Little League because that's when the problem is. It's not when they make it to the major leagues and they blow out their elbow. It's what they've done to get to there. So that's what we did. Um, and it kind of we're the first we were the first ever wearable technology approved for the MLB for in-game use. So it's kind of like pioneering this whole push for big data in baseball. And it's been cool to see where it's gone since then. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you that this, our lab and our video analysis program has led me to take better care of our patients. So I'll use Steve as an example. Steve, and he doesn't mind, I don't think, but Steve had a biceps tenodesis, right? So we've, we, he had biceps pain. We released his biceps and we fixed it in the front of his humerus, the front of his arm. We took it and put it in a different location. For him, it was a pain reliever, um, but he had questions, well, is this going to, for example, affect my golf? We had questions, what about overhead athletes who have biceps tenodesis? In other words, there was a lot of concern that we were sort of over-treating the biceps and had a low threshold to take or cut the biceps and put it in a different place, and it must be an important stabilizer for the shoulder, and what does it mean in throwers? And Steve, we had a population of uh, elite-level throwers that we analyzed watching them throw and their mechanics and their speed and their accuracy. And we showed that indeed, even if you took the biceps tendon and put it in a, a location outside the shoulder joint to eliminate their pain, they could still perform at a, at a, at a, at a high, at a, at a high rate with excellent accuracy and excellent velocity. It didn't compromise it. In fact, many of them were better because we got rid of their pain. There was a lot of concern that the biceps tendon played an important role. And in some of these athletes, we had no choice but to take it because they couldn't play because of their pain. But the big fear was we'd compromise their ability to throw. And we found that they actually, it wasn't compromised in the laboratory setting. And there's a number of examples out there of quarterbacks and others who have torn their biceps. And the biggest concern is that they can ever throw again. And the answer is yes, you can actually throw it at a very competent rate to competent level without your biceps tendon in the normal position. So these are really important you know, tools that I can't intuitively figure that out in the office. I, we have to ask the question, and it's the epitome of what we call translational research, where you've got a problem in the office, you have a baseball player there, you're trying to solve this problem, non-surgical treatment's not working, but he or she can't throw or pitch. What are we going to do, and what are the consequences of the treatment that we traditionally provide? It might be different for you versus a throwing athlete, and it turns out that we found that an acceptable treatment it actually got them back at a, at a very high level. Interesting stuff. And uh, Dr. Cole and Brittany, uh, what led me to thinking about uh, this topic in this specific episode of Sports Medicine Weekly? Uh, a couple stories that, um, uh, you know, I've been hearing about and then doing a little more deeper research. Uh, let me give an example. Three major league pitchers, Luis Severino, uh, Chris Sale, Noah Syndergaard, each an all-star in 2018, all three among the 20th, uh, 20 hardiest throwing starting pitchers in the majors that year. Severino and Syndergaard ranked one and two. Sale just made it inside the top 20. Those three plus four more pitchers all had Tommy John surgery uh, over the past 17 months uh, to repair a torn elbow ligament. The breakdown rate is staggering. One third of the 21 hardest throwing starters blew out in less than a year and a half. So it leads me to these questions for, for Dr. Cohen, for Brittany here. You know, is velocity still going up? Are pitchers throwing too many fastballs? Does throwing harder increase the chance of a breakdown? Does throwing harder increase the stress on the elbow? Are pitchers pushing the limit in velocity? Are pitchers throwing too hard for their own good? 
and thus is velocity overrated. So, um, Brittany, you know, what, what do you think about that? Um, and, and what are, you know, you, you did an extensive uh, spring training with the White Sox uh, going through some of this. What were some of the talk, you know, amongst the, the pitchers and the pitching coaches and, you know, what, what you found in some of your analysis? Well, I don't think velocity is overrated if MLB is struggling to get the younger generation in to be watching. They're trying so hard. It's exciting to watch someone go out there and throw 105. I think it's how we manage these elbows to get to 105 and how we keep them healthy, not limit their throwing or their max velocity because we think it's going to hurt them. Let's get them to where they can and then manage that correctly. Um like I worked with Severino right before, right after he was drafted. So it's interesting to see some of these guys who right when they were drafted, they were doing okay and then kind of watch their breakdown. And I don't think it's a velocity thing. I think it's more of a workload thing. And I know Explain that. there's what do you different thoughts. So again, back to, um, it could be, but there's this idea of acute and chronic workload. So acute would be, let's say the last seven days versus the last 28 days. And so a lot of research has been done with Catapult, which is an IMU that you wear. And um, like kind of like on a bra, most it's more for like soccer and rugby players. And it just does max or does velocity acceleration for the whole body. And Tim, Dr. Tim Gabbett out of Australia has found that if your acute and chronic ratio, so your seven day compared to your 28 day changes either below one or below 0.7 or above 1.3, your risk of injury increases 66%. We at, so when I was working at MODIS, we found the exact same ratio, that same issue. If you jump, if your workload increases 30% of what from that week that you've done the last month, your risk of injury increases. So if we can ramp guys up correctly, so slowly, and then get them to a, a steady chronic, steady 28% or 28 days, they can maintain a high workload without getting injured. It's this idea of going up and down. Um, the Angels, I think they might be doing it again this year. I should check, but six day, a six-man rotation. So now we have guys who are wanting to go. They're only throwing every six days. That's a lot of up and down. Which isn't Trevor good, Bauer then. at the Dodgers. Right. Is that what you're saying? It depends on how they maintain it, how they're, how they're making sure that these guys maintain that workload. They're not jumping from like 0.5 to all of a sudden 2.5 like these we got to get there and then maintain it trevor bauer wanted to be on a four mound rotation for the dodgers this year that didn't happen but it's trying to figure out how we want to how we are monitoring these traditionally it's with a pitch count it's only on the mound but what are they doing to get on the mound what are they doing for their their plyo drills they're throwing weighted balls then they go and they throw their long toss then they have their their bullpen before they get on the mound then now we have eight pitches between each inning so we're worried about guys who threw 110 pitches last night in their game when really they just threw 250 yeah, and we're missing she, these raising, large workloads yeah so steve it's it's complicated but the the concept is that it's not going to be one variable it won't be just velocity it won't be how many pitches did you just throw it's 
over time. So this physiologic load concept is generalizable to all of sports. And in fact, it's the reason that the NBA put cameras in the arenas. The primary primary uh, rationale was to look at acute, meaning short-term chronic versus chronic, meaning long-term loads, because there are a number of injuries that we see that they're not just overuse, but they're related to fatigue. And what happens in fatigue is that you're all these checks and balances, milliseconds that count start to break down and mechanics suffer. So when do ACL tears happen? They happen in the fourth quarter of a game. They don't happen in the first quarter. When do uh, injuries happen in uh, in the NFL? They te- tend to happen, even though we measure people's function at time equals zero, we say, how did you do? How did you perform? It, unfortunately, our tools don't do a great job of looking at sort of the, the bigger picture and how fatigue creeps in. But what Brittany's talking about is that we – are now much more in tune with the loads that people are putting on their bodies over different timeframes. And what I'm learning from Brittany, and I know you just recently had a publication on this or submitted for publication, is that how it's not just the absolute numbers, but it's how they oscillate or go up and down. So there's it's a very nuanced, uh, very nuanced uh, issue. Yeah, great stuff, Brittany. That's fascinating. I, I want to get more into this and uh, the paper you you published, and also um, you know talking about uh, throwing. Uh, does it place a unique stress on the elbow? Why is pain on the inside more common pain on the outside? But first. Uh, thanks to a couple of our sponsors, Val- Varicel develops, manufactures, and markets uh, autologous cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit vcel, V-C-E-L, dot com. Hey, warm weather is here. Time to get outside. Enjoy your favorite activities. Spend precious time with family and friends. Aches, pains, or an injury should not be part of the memories you're making. The therapists at Rush Physical Therapy, Rush PT, they're here for you. With more than 60 locations throughout greater Chicagoland, Rush's clinical experts will get you back to life. Go to Rush pt.com today to schedule an appointment not sure if physical therapy is right for you request a complimentary consultation and discover the power of rush physical therapy today again visiting with Brittany dowling director of biomechanics and motion analysis midwest orthopedics at rush Brittany looks like she's um 18 years old but she is phenomenal at what she does i'm just this is a great topic and Brittany, you 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 talk as if you've been doing this for 30 years well, take that as a compliment i haven't <laughs> been and appreciate it a lot thank but you i'm looking um, at you at zoom right here with dr cole and i'm like my goodness the 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 you know expertise you have in this um is is really fascinating because i've well, got Steve, i've got a baseball pitcher so looks you know, compared to Anyone looks young compared to me and you. Yes, that's true. Calls, that's so true. We're good. But so um, back to advantage. what Dr. Cole was saying. Dr. Cole, uh, you were asking Brittany a question, but uh, you did you publish a paper? Let me, let me clarify what you did. Is that a... So I have worked with Dr. Mehta, who used to be out with St. John's College, which was a high school, a private high school. He has had these modus sensors on their athletes, on their baseball players to play on the team. You had to wear a sensor for the last three years. So we have gotten, we have over a million throws of with this data. And then we also have injury. So we have, I've been working with him to publish, now get this published. Um, over the three years, there's only been 11 throwing arm injuries, which is, says something that they're doing great with their guys. So that they, we have found with that data that once you go over 1.3, there's an increased risk of injury. Now we're looking at chronic. If you have a high chronic, like I had said, like let's get your your 28 day 
um, load high and then maintain it, does that have increased risk of injury? So this whole idea of specialization in youth sports, like we should be changing sports. We shouldn't always be playing baseball year round. Now we're trying to validate that. Is that true? Can we, is it okay to play baseball year round? Um, what do you think? If we can get... They've always said, and we've, we've been talking in this on our sports medicine weekly show. I've been doing with Dr. Brian Cole for 10 years now about every doctor we've had on has told us that multiple sports are best. I think that it develops a better athlete okay. all around. Like we've got NFL players who do ballet so that they can, you know, like it doesn't have to be all about baseball, even though baseball is the best. Let's let's be a better athlete, be able to control your body in different ways, be able to perceive different things. Um I think it'll only help. But if you only like baseball, I don't think you should be told you can't play it all year round. But we manage it then. Yeah, Brittany, let me ask you a question. How do we sort now um, the concept of velocity? You know, it seems to me this is ripe for like, you know, a very high level statistical evaluation where we would look at many variables, uh, acute versus chronic load, maybe some metric for how they oscillate, in other words, over periods of time, and then also look at velocity. I mean, obviously, high velocity is what we're trying to achieve, but I guess the question is, can you do direct correlations now with this uh, acute or short-term load versus a chronic or long-term load, and then look at performance and see decrement in performance and not just injury because the injury rate, even though Steve and I are talking about this virtual recent epidemic of Tommy John problems, it's still a small number. So to draw true correlations is, is difficult. But have we looked at decreases in performance and velocity as it relates to acute versus chronic load? And what do we know about that issue? Um, so to be honest, not a lot of people, I just finished a publication on baseball workload and only two people have looked at more than just in-game throws in high school and college and in the pros. And that's been my group. And so we're trying to push this idea of it's more than just in-game pitch counts. Um, so not a lot has been done. And But now with this sensor, it's given people the ability to do that. So driveline has taken it a great way and has just now pushed it to the masses. They use it in all of their training. They're now trying to get everybody to use it so that we can start to build those relationships. Um, if this idea of increased velocity causes increased risk of injury, we don't truly know that. Um, a study done by out of ASMI with Dr. Fleissig came out and said, if we're looking at pitchers, like 10 pitchers, and we compare each of them, increased ball velocity is not related to increased stress on the elbow. But if we're looking at within a player, we have one player throw and then he increases his velocity, it is almost a one-for-one ratio that it, there is increased stress on your elbow. That doesn't mean you're going to get hurt. That just means you have more stress and you need to manage that correctly. Dr. Cole, it seems like that's what, what you know, the whole gist of this, and it's a it's a great conversation, um, is the is the management, right? Managing these these injuries or, you know, managing the preparation so you don't get injured. Isn't that how you take it, Dr. Cole? Yeah, well I think, you know, I think it's it's obviously multifactorial. We just we've learned that you know, the best thing we can do uh, as orthopedic surgeons, especially when managing athletes, is to, is to prevent and if and or pr- predict injury. So um, I think that managing the injury is something we've become pretty good at. But the things that Brittany is looking at at, at in our in, and in our throwing analysis lab at Midwest Orthopedics is, can we actually prevent injury? 
Um, because that's, I mean, really that's the Nobel prize equivalent in my mind of what, what, what I do every single day is I, it's a good day if I don't have to operate on someone and, um, we can have a huge sort of societal impact on preventing injury. So I think that's the bigger issue in terms of managing this, Steve. Brittany question for you. Um, how can someone tell the difference between normal pain after throwing and something more serious? If you're coming off of an injury, it's hard to do that because you're already going to be really worried to not know. If you haven't been working out and you go into the gym and you squat for the first time, you are going to be sore the next day and it's going to hurt. Like it's going to, that's a, it's a horrible pain that like hurts, hurts to sit, hurts to stand up, but that's just normal wear and tear because you haven't been working, you haven't been working out. So learning, it's one, just you have to learn about your own body. You you have to be your own representative for your arm. And so learning that the difference between pain and soreness is sometimes hard for people, especially the younger athletes. Um, if it's, if it hurt, like it's hard, it's hard to explain if it hurts when it's throwing or the next day you're sore. Like Two it, different things, right? Yeah. And so it's just teaching them, trying to teach them a difference. I mean, usually when you give them that example of squatting, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is just sore. Cause soreness is gonna happen. Pain, especially while you're throwing, like in your max, when you're max external or where you're letting go of the ball, if you have pain then, that's a little bit more indication that you're usually not going to be sore then, it's sore afterwards. So it's trying to give them examples of, okay, when is this happening? Is it while you're throwing? Is it after you're throwing? Is it the day after? Does it go away? Okay. I've got a couple more questions uh, before we wrap up. I'm not sure if this is a better question for Dr. Cole or for Brittany. Um, Why is pain on the inside more common than pain on the outside? Of the elbow. Of the of the elbow? Yeah. Well, I mean, you just look at angular velocity. Just think about throwing, Steve. When you bring your arm up, up, over, and think how your 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 hand goes away from your body with the elbow being tucked inside and sort of just to, to, to dramatize so you can visualize it, all of the angular forces are on the inner side of the elbow. If you started to get outer side elbow pain, you know you got a big problem, quite frankly. That's a bigger problem. So so inner sided elbow pain is because the stresses of angular velocity of throwing a ball are so enormous. It just pulls on that area. So that's that's the reason why. Golf is a different one. Every f- sport is different, but you know, but tennis, golf, throwing, but throwing is an angular velocity, meaning the forces across the inner side of the elbow are enormous. Okay. So Brittany, what um give us a give us kind of a wrap up here. You're doing some fascinating work there at the Oak Brook facility at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. People aren't aware of this. I mean, I've got a young pitcher who, my goodness, I mean, uh, he's 6'2", 14 years old. They just got him up to almost 80 miles an hour on his pitching, and um, I'm I'm proud of that. It scares me a little bit, but uh, he's working with a great pitching coach. But you know, I'm like, boy, we should go see Brittany. You know, I mean, so what? What? Give us some. Give us some takeaways here. I mean, what? What are you guys doing? Who are you seeing? Who should see you? And and you know, what what goes on in, in your sessions? So anybody who throws a ball could benefit from this. You are constantly working on your mechanics, even in, when you make it to the MLB until the last time you put down the ball. So thinking that you're perfect is a little bit iffy. Nobody, even Trevor Bauer doesn't think he's perfect. He has four analysts up that he pays out of pocket to constantly be tweaking his stuff. So hurt or not, you could come in and learn about your body, learn about what you're doing right and learn about what you can do better. Um, it's cool that... Midwest Orthopedics offers this to the public because usually it's only for at the MLB level or at the research level and you don't get anything 
back from it. So we've developed a report and that's actionable. Here's what we're seeing. Here's what we think you should do. We also work with you if you decide, I want to work on this. We have top athletic trainers who now will take this information and individualize training sessions for you to work on these things. So once you start throwing a ball, you are more than welcome to come in and get an assessment. If you're hurt, great. Well, not great. If you're hurt, we'll work with you. If you're not hurt, great. Come on in. Let's let's see how we can help. Great stuff, Brittany. Boy, I think I'd go another hour talking about some of your experiences, you know, in, in the major league level and what you're seeing and everything. But um, a great topic of a conversation. Really appreciate you joining us again. Uh, we have visited with Brittany Dowling, Director of Biomechanics, Motion Analysis, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. You're in the Oak Brook uh, location, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, Dr. Cole, good stuff. Great show. And Brittany, uh, thank you for joining us in this episode. Um, We're just really happy to have you and uh, look forward to more really interesting things in the future. We're making a big difference. Thank you very much. I agree. We are doing some cool things out here. Great stuff, Brittany. We hope you enjoyed today's Sports Medicine Weekly episode. Be sure to add the Sports Medicine Weekly podcast to your playlist on Apple and Spotify. Listen in any time, any place. Subscribe to the Sports Medicine Weekly podcast and add to your playlist on Apple and Spotify. A new Sports Medicine Weekly podcast are shared weekly on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And one more shout out to one of our sponsors, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, otherwise known as MOR, among the international leaders in musculoskeletal health, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Physicians are all faculty in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at Rush University Medical Center, which is currently ranked number five in orthopedics by U.S. News and World Report. Founded in 2003, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is comprised of internationally renowned orthopedics orthopedic and spine surgeons who pioneer the latest advances in technology and surgical techniques to improve the lives and activity levels of patients around the world. The physicians at MOR are proud to be the official team physicians for the Bulls, White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, as well as the Joffrey Ballet. Visit RushOrtho.com to learn more and schedule an appointment at one of the Midwest Orthopedics at Rush's convenient Chicago and West Suburban locations. Once again, our thanks to our producer Alex Soroka. Also to our guest, Brittany Dowling for Dr. Brian Cole. I'm Steve Cashel. Again, every session you want, you can join us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Just add it to your playlist on Apple and Spotify. So long, everybody.